Hey, it's Justin, and I have a big announcement and personal invitation for you. This May, we're inviting a small group of people to Austin to learn how to grow their wealth tax-free and get access to some of my personal friends and experts in the industry. We did something similar last year, and the feedback was incredible, so we set aside a few tickets for non-Mastermind members to join us for this event. You'll spend some time learning from Garrett Gunderson, the brilliant and hilarious mind behind Money Unmasked, and the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Killing Sacred Cows, and one of my favorite books, What Would the Rockefellers Do? He's going to share his insights on how to grow your assets tax-free with life insurance. And you'll also get some time with Rob Dial, the mastermind behind the Mindset Mentor Podcast, who will share with you how to find fulfillment in success. Then you'll get to participate in a special investment presentation, in-depth discussions, and breakout sessions on two crucial yet often overlooked topics, personalized tax strategies and wealth building. Plus, when you register, you'll have the opportunity to attend a one-day course the day before on vetting deals. If you want to learn our process so that you can make great decisions, there's no better teacher than Hans Box. This is our most requested topic, and it'll be an exceptional course. Seats for the course and the one-day event are limited, so if you're interested, please grab your ticket today. I always say you're just one connection, one decision, and one strategy away from true freedom, and I look forward to helping you on your journey. Head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live or click the link around this video and secure your ticket now before we sell out. Hope to see you in Austin this May. Once again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live. I can't wait to see you there. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Over 50 million people are trapped in the world of human trafficking, and today's guest is doing something about it. Ryan Sobey is the VP of Anti-Trafficking at Love Justice International, an organization that has helped over 34,000 people worldwide escape human trafficking, find freedom, and reconnect with loved ones. They're a testament to the fact that with the right people and mindset, any organization can be financially successful while also providing value to society. Love Justice currently operates in 22 countries, and Ryan has been an integral part of the efforts that help them contribute to over 1,200 arrests worldwide with an over 35% conviction rate. While Ryan and his team are on the front lines stopping vulnerable people from becoming victims, they also help traffickers find a better life for themselves, stop trafficking, and deter others from following their path. 
In today's conversation, we discuss why real human trafficking is much more brutal than what we see in the movies, Love Justice's scalable business model that they're helping other human rights organizations replicate, and the importance of using your passion for being of service to others. One more thing before we get to today's interview. As many of you may know, 100% of the money that comes from my book, The Lifestyle Investor, goes directly to Love Justice International. It's a cause I truly believe in and support. To help others learn a little more about the cause, Ryan's team put together an eye-opening report titled The Truth Behind Human Trafficking, 10 Common Myths Debunked. It's a short but powerful read. To get access to the report, visit justindonald.com forward slash 110. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Ryan Sobey. Ryan, hey, I'm so glad to have you on the show. This is really exciting for me, having you on, having Love Justice on. What you do as an organization is just something I'm so passionate about. The lives that you're saving, just the the lives you're changing, it's incredible work. And I just want everyone to know about you and Love Justice International and the story. Part of the reason why I wanted to partner with you guys and donate all the proceeds of my book, The Lifestyle Investor, to your organization is because I think you do some of the most incredible work out there. And it's dangerous work, but you guys just really embody love and courage. And uh, I'm just so glad to have you on the show. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks, Justin. It's really, really an honor to be uh, on your show. Uh, and I just love your curiosity into what we're doing. And just thanks for giving us a platform to talk about more about our model and how we're changing people's lives. It's it's exciting. So thank you so much for having me. Ah, it's my pleasure. Well, hey, you've got uh, you've got a really cool accent. And I've got a really good friend that uh, grew up in South Africa. He lives here in the U.S. He actually lives in Tucson, Arizona. And does some some firefighting today. Used to be a swimmer, Olympic level swimmer. And I've just heard so many cool stories. I, I've been to your country. I've taken just. I had an amazing trip to South Africa, all over. You know, on a safari in Kruger Park to going to Cape Town, and I just loved my time there. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your story growing up and uh, what it's like living in South Africa. Uh, well, I must just tell you, South Africa is, a be- as, you have, as you have said, a beautiful and amazing country. Uh, and we do get around. Wherever you go, you're going to find South Africans. So I'm glad you found a South African friend. Myself, yeah, I'm from uh, a small town called Peter Marisburg. I actually didn't uh, grow up in, in the nonprofit sector at all. I did um, a degree in genetics and biochemistry and zoology. And my life looked a little bit different when I was uh, going to university to what it is now. But while I was doing that and being a game ranger, by the way, as well, on the safaris and then getting into the financial sector, Love Justice was was becoming this amazing organization um, that it is today. My wife and I, we had this passion to help women who were trapped in the sex industry, actually. And that's kind of how we got involved in the anti-trafficking sphere. Uh, and it was about four years ago uh, that Love Justice approached me and said, would you help us to, to grow countries in Africa? So I started, uh, you know, working with them and, and we, we started a few countries across uh, the African continent. And then just a little while ago, um, 
we sort of moved everything around and I became the VP of anti-trafficking, sort of overseeing the work across the world and for anti-trafficking in particular. And so uh, it's been an amazing journey. I've loved every moment of it. And it's amazing to be a part of something that's not only excellent and thinking really hard about what we're doing and how to make a great impact, but also just seeing the lives that are being changed. So it's, it's, a, it's a great process to be a part of. Well, I'm so glad that you kind of switched over. I mean, that's, that is a big transition going from the financial industry to nonprofit and specifically, basically all over, you know, a, a continent and in an area that you personally don't have a lot of expertise in. You may have a passion for it, but there had to be a big learning curve, right? Absolutely. Just uh, to understand the NGO sector is one thing. And then also just to really be able to deal with people in different nations, with different cultures, uh, different tendencies, and be able to work with them well. And just having the understanding that if you want to succeed in a different country, it's really important that you let the people in that country do the work because they understand the culture. They've got the language. They know the nuances of the way that people react and, and how they're going to make decisions. And so it's really important to empower them to be able to do the work. And I think that was one of the biggest learning curves I went through. And, and often we have this tendency to want to rescue and to give our expertise to try and see if we can make a difference. But ultimately, if we empower the right people, they can make far more impact than we ever could on our own. Oh, that's so true. You know, it, it's interesting hearing about the transition that you made because I feel like most people that have the chops to be in the financial industry kind of have this goal of moving up the corporate ladder and doing some big things in the space of, of finance. Uh, and so I'm curious if that was originally like your thought or your plan or what that looked like, because I don't know that people make a decision most people, I would imagine, it's not like they are growing up as a kid and they're like, yeah, I want to get into nonprofit or yeah, I want to help rescue kids. And I love that you have, but I'm curious how that happened and kind of what your original plan was and then what it was that captured your attention here. Well, you know, I think a lot of us have a passion to want to do something to change the world, right? And having that passion is just an inkling of what it takes to actually be successful. <laughs> the NGO world, let me tell you, is, is incredibly difficult. You've got your donors who you have to make happy, and you've got to communicate so well with them, right? Because they're the ones who are empowering you to do the work. And then you've got the people on the ground who you have to help and provide excellent services to and be really thoughtful about what you're doing. And so you've got you've always got this tension, but also this a lot of work to make it really work well. And so I would say when coming from the corporate world, it was a wake-up call to how hard it is to succeed in the NGO world and how to do it well. For myself personally, yeah, I think everyone wants to be successful, right? No matter what you're doing. It was wonderful to be able to employ a lot of the, some of the things that I'm good at in an area where success is people's lives and being able to be able to save people's lives through that success. And don't make me think I, I, I'm no one special. <laughs> just so you know that I, it's just great to work for a great organization who's doing that well. And I think we have a, quite a great corporate mindset for excellence. So it helps with that too. 
Well, I think the the children and the women who are kind of trapped in this sex slaving or labor slaving would feel otherwise, that you are someone special because you're rescuing, you're helping, you're spending your time rescuing innocent children and innocent people. And so I'm just so impressed with everyone I've ever met at Love Justice, and I'm impressed with the content that you create and what you do to educate the marketplace. But I'd love for you to share some information. I think most people probably have no realization or very little realization of what's really going on in the world, even in their own home country, even here for many of us listening in the United States. I know we've got a lot of people watching and listening from all across the globe, but in your home country, sometimes there's this bias like, oh, it's happening everywhere else, but it's not happening here. And I'd love for you to share just some of the the raw stats or info so people can know how problematic this is and how it's much bigger of an issue than what most people realize. Yeah, I think when people often talk about human trafficking, they think about the sensational kind of stories that they've heard. It's the movie that the Liam Neeson movie, right, which ends well for the good guys. And it's the documentary maybe they saw. And typically we find that those documentaries usually tend to, to steer towards sex trafficking and and that's because it is horrific. It's an horrific crime and it causes irreparable damage to people. So when we tend to think that we, we, most people gravitate, especially in the developed world, towards sex trafficking, but actually is a, is a plethora of different kinds of trafficking and each country has different forms of trafficking within it. There's some countries where, where kids are, are forced into labor a lot. So that's a lot of Asia, South Asia in particular has a lot of that. We see it sort of in West Africa as well, sort of child labor trafficking, um, domestic servitude of women in particular. I've seen that a lot in, in sort of the Eastern Africa countries, all the way across to, to organ harvesting. Not that we see that too much in our line of work because, you know, we're trying to get them prior to exploitation. But every country is different. Let me just be clear that in near, I would say in every country that I know of, sex trafficking is, is prevalent simply because there's a demand for it. There's a demand for those sex services. But every country is different. And, and to be honest, it actually is often uh, in the areas that we least expect. And sometimes in even the nice suburbs that people live in, uh, these things are going on. And so definitely it is prevalent across the world. It's, it's probably more prevalent than we think it is. And it definitely is more than likely near to a lot of people as well. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because I, I feel like prior to learning about your organization, I think part of me just didn't want to believe that this stuff was really going on. Part of me didn't want to recognize that there are people in this world that could even do that sort of thing, but really getting involved and learning more and, and, you know, being part of the organization, my eyes have just been opened. And I think you do a great job of educating. You send out these regular newsletters and so much of it is like the victories that you're having. I mean, I remember I got a, a newsletter from you where in one month, your organization rescued over 500 children in a single month. And that to me is like exceptional on one hand and so devastatingly disturbing on the other hand. It's so great that 
500 plus kids inside of one month are like being rescued to, to buy their true human life freedom back. But to even think that that many and, and so many more are being deprived of their basic human rights is just a horrific thought. I'll slightly correct that a little bit. Not that uh, you you're totally wrong, but we don't necessarily rescue the children. And a lot of those would have been adults as well. And let me explain a little bit better. So I want to explain the model to you because the model is just so important. It's really key to our success. And so typically when you think about anti-trafficking work, there's, there's usually two sides that people gravitate towards. The one is awareness and sensitization. And this is a, a critical area where people would go into everything from schools uh, and town halls uh, to rural villages, and they would bring awareness about human trafficking to try and avoid those people entering that uh, that situation. And that's a great method. A lot of organizations focus on that. But the problem with that is it's not tangible. Like, I don't know. It's very difficult to know how many people were actually affected by that awareness. The other side is rescue. And rescue in particular is people knocking down doors, usually involves a lot of investigation. So you're going to need someone who's really good at gathering information. And then you more than likely you're going to need to work very closely with the government authorities and then locate particular people who are being trafficked and then go and rescue them. And that is also critical work has to be done. And it's, it's amazing work. But the problem with that is often those people there have undergone extreme exploitation, as we've discussed. And it takes a lifetime for them to be healed if they would ever be healed and it costs a lot of money to get someone rescued where we work is is in the middle um so typically not always but usually someone has to travel from point a to point b to get trafficked now that could be they're either forced to do that literally taken and dragged they or they are deceived they could be told hey why don't you come to this particular big city i've got a job waiting for you and everything's going to be good don't worry i'll organize your your documents i'll make sure everything's ready for you. You just have to come with me. And, and in those scenarios, people are simply sold uh, a too-good-to-be-true offer. And when they arrive at their destination, that's when they get trafficked. And so we have monitors who stand in critical transit hubs. That could be um, a train station or a bus station or an airport. And they are trained to profile people coming through those transit areas. So looking for what we call red flags, and then when they see that, they would go and uh, engage with them in a, a really well thought out and scientifically formulated questioning protocol that allows us to determine whether there's a higher chance that person is in the process of being trafficked. And then if they are, we would really encourage them to stop their journey or in some cases get the authorities involved to stop their journey. And so we would call that an intercept. And when we say others use it as it's intercepts that we're looking for and the reason why we really love the intercept idea and why we feel like it's taking off across the world is, is because, first of all, it's pre-exploitative. So this person has not undergone all of that severe trauma. They don't need all the, the restoration that has to go with that. Also, we can gather amazing information from them. If there is evidence of illegitimate means of control, it means we can gather that and we can give it to authorities who can then effect arrests. And by the way, we've had over 1,100 arrests um, with a, over a 35% conviction rate, which is amazing uh, across wow. the world. It's really good. And so we just love the model because we feel like it's really one of the answers to do things cost-effectively. I mean, an intercept is 
by far a lot more cost-effective than a rescue. And we know the exact numbers. We've got tangible results. And so that's why I, I love the model and what we're doing and, and really believe that we can reduce the prevalence of trafficking by using this. Well, that's incredible, Ryan. And what's neat about it is it's almost like there's two different separate components that you're able to capitalize with that same situation. So you get the intercept where you're actually rescuing the child, but then you can also piece it back to figure out, you know, who's the person that's sending them, you know, who's the sender, who's the receiver, and you can prosecute that way. You can go after them that way so that there's less of this going on in the first place. And some of the stories of, of these kids being reunited with their families and their families didn't know that they were gone or hadn't seen them in a little bit and were concerned and were trying to find them and couldn't find them. And they're literally across the country in a train station or across town or in a totally different city. It's so heartwarming to see, you know, kind of what happens and and the deception that lies within this whole orchestration as well, right? Because I think a lot of it's predicated on that. It is. And I think one of the things we have to be very careful of is, I say this with caution, but demonizing the trafficker, because often as much as we want to see them arrested and, and to reduce the demand for those who are being trafficked, we also feel like a lot of the traffickers are are in it for circumstances that they're not really responsible for either. I mean, a lot of poverty is going on. And obviously, over the past couple of years, it's really torn up economies uh, and people are desperate. And by all means, they shouldn't be doing the things they're doing. But we really also want to have some compassion on the traffickers to say, can we help them as well to not be doing this? And, and that's hopefully through the arrests and, and the cases that we open against them. Hopefully, it will deter others from doing that. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a special offer that I created for the Lifestyle Investor community. When I look back at my investing journey, there's one specific investment in particular that was the spark to increasing my net worth and allowing me to leave my job to become a lifestyle investor. I'm talking about mobile home parks. Yes, mobile home parks. If you just cringed a little, that's exactly why these provide such a great opportunity because of the negative stigma and stereotype people might have. In reality, this is an incredible investment that you can get into with little or no money down. You can also quickly get a return on your capital. You can immediately cash flow on day one. You can hold it forever as a cash cow. You get accelerated depreciation to reduce or eliminate the taxes that you would owe. And often the seller will finance the deal so you don't need a bank. You can also buy them at the highest cap rate of all real estate, meaning it's the cheapest real estate to buy based on the income that it generates. And it's the lowest default rate of all real estate, meaning it's the safest asset class to own in real estate. I use this asset class to start my journey in real estate investing and grow my net worth to over eight figures all before I turned 40. And out of all the questions that people ask me, how do I get into mobile home parks is still the number one question that I get, which is why I put together this mobile home park masterclass. This is a paid class that I'm offering for a limited time only. For all the details, head over to justindonald.com forward slash MHP and watch the video, which outlines all the details about the class and exactly what you get when you sign up. You'll also hear the incredible success stories from students who have gone through my content and are now making hundreds of thousands of dollars in passive income. 
If you want to take the same first step that I did that helped me take both my wife and I from working full-time jobs to becoming lifestyle investors, join me in my mobile home park masterclass and let's get started on your journey to becoming a lifestyle investor. Visit justindonald.com forward slash MHP for all the details. Yeah, and and then it's really neat to see kind of your strategy because there's almost like this intervention or you know something that needs to take place to kind of help prevent this in the future or even figure out why you know one of these children was willing to go and kind of how to like get them back on the path of not trusting these individuals or not being deceived and so I'm just blown away because when you hear the story of an actual family and you see the pictures and the devastation that was kind of like riding in the wake, the, the potential devastation. And in some cases, it's it's true devastation because it's gone full circle. It, in a lot of these cases, though, you're intercepting prior to them being gone, prior to them living this life, being you know fully trapped. But it is just heart-wrenching to even consider this, especially for anyone that has kids of their own. And I mean, you... When you think about some of the stories that you would have read about, these poor parents uh, wake up one day uh, and their son is 16 and has run away. I mean, unfortunately, in a lot of those scenarios, those kids didn't have a lot of prospects growing up in the village that they were in. They were offered this deceptive offer that will probably have them working in a mine somewhere, um, you know, mining for metal or or breaking rocks or whatever it would be, um, and earning nothing and being a slave. But when you're young, you make silly decisions. Um, and to see that that reunification of, of parent and child is, is amazing. And it's those stories which really keep us going, right? Um, we get them in. I see them all the time. But it's also great to get them out into into the, the, the newsletters and, and the emails so others can read about them and see the difference we're making. And sometimes, Ryan, I think it's it's almost like valiant of what the kids are doing because they actually want to be able to provide for their families and maybe their families are really struggling. So it's like, well, Hey, why don't I make some money and help the family out? Right. And so it's not always a selfish thing of like, let me get out of here. Let me make something better. Some, I mean, often I think it's like, let me help serve my family so that we can all get to a better place. And so it's done from this good place, but uh, just really not knowing there's an ignorance to like what it really is. Agreed. Yeah. A lot of people are just trying to help and a lot of people are just trying to get themselves into a better place uh, and just be able to, Hey, I'd love a job, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's sad. And on that note, I mean, we have the inklings of an empowerment program, which we are working on at the moment. It's by all means fledgling, and in its infancy, but uh, it's something we really want to work hard and think through uh, is to help people who we, who we are sending home because we truly believe it's better to be home and free than to be in the destination and a slave, but we'd love to be able to help them even more in that, uh, by empowering them when they get home, empowering the community and, and giving them the skills they need to, to succeed where they are. Yeah. And I love that next layer. Hey, how do we educate these kids? How do we reinforce good mindset habits and good work ethics? And, you know, how do we empower them to be able to do great things inside their community for the benefit of their entire community, which is really, really cool. So 
with all this, like, where did you start in this organization, Ryan? And and where are you today? And I'd love to learn a little bit more of kind of like your path. I started uh, four years ago uh, as just Africa director, and that was responsible for the the countries that we had in Southern Africa, and then trying to grow into new places. My skill set. I love expansion. I love taking new ground, putting the flag in the gr- in the ground, and uh, and holding it there, and and finding new places to to become impactful. That's really what gets me ticking. And so that that was my original position. And then uh, just I think about uh, eight months ago or so, as we kind of reorganized the organization, seeing the growth that we had gone through, I think we had around six countries four years ago. We're now sitting at around twenty two active countries. And so we need to, to restructure a little bit. So I took over the anti-trafficking uh, operations and then other guys have moved to, to different areas. Like uh, we've got, let me just tell you, I mean, if, if you're looking for skills, love justice is, is really unbelievable. I, I play a very small part, but there are amazing people who are doing ridiculously good things. People who could be in the corporate world and making just a ton of money, but they they really are em- employing their minds to to grow Love Justice. One of them is John, the president. We've got Kirk, who's uh, the chief of staff, who's doing an amazing job. We've got VPs in, um, in the U.S. doing our development and, and marketing who are just absolutely brilliant. So I just play that small part uh, in the expansion and anti-trafficking operations side. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a special offer that I created for the Lifestyle Investor community. When I look back at my investing journey, there's one specific investment in particular that was the spark to increasing my net worth and allowing me to leave my job to become a lifestyle investor. I'm talking about mobile home parks. Yes, mobile home parks. If you just cringed a little, that's exactly why these provide such a great opportunity because of the negative stigma and stereotype people might have. In reality, this is an incredible investment that you can get into with little or no money down. You can also quickly get a return on your capital. You can immediately cash flow on day one. You can hold it forever as a cash cow. You get accelerated depreciation to reduce or eliminate the taxes that you would owe. And often the seller will finance the deal so you don't need a bank. You can also buy them at the highest cap rate of all real estate meaning it's the cheapest real estate to buy based on the income that it generates. And it's the lowest default rate of all real estate, meaning it's the safest asset class to own in real estate. I use this asset class to start my journey in real estate investing and grow my net worth to over eight figures all before I turned 40. And out of all the questions that people ask me, how do I get into mobile home parks is still the number one question that I get which is why I put together this mobile home park masterclass. This is a paid class that I'm offering for a limited time only. For all the details, head over to justindonald.com forward slash MHP and watch the video, which outlines all the details about the class and exactly what you get when you sign up. You'll also hear the incredible success stories from students who have gone through my content and are now making hundreds of thousands of dollars in passive income. If you want to take the same first step that I did that helped me take both my wife and I from working full-time jobs to becoming lifestyle investors, join me in my mobile home park masterclass and let's get started on your journey to becoming a lifestyle investor. Visit justindonald.com 
forward slash MHP for all the details. That's just so great to, to hear that there are so many capable people that said, hey, I want to really do things that make a difference now. And by the way, that's not to say that anything anyone else does doesn't make a difference. I think we all make a difference. We all can and should aspire to make as big of a difference as we can. But I think when we find what it is that we're truly aligned with, where our superpowers just kind of come out and and you know help whatever it is scale, maybe it is a business, but maybe it's a, an organization like Love Justice, or maybe it's a totally different organization, but it empowers people, it empowers strong characteristics and strong values. Uh, I just think that that is an incredible thing. Now, how many countries is Love Justice in right now? We're currently operating in 22 countries. I think we've piloted in 24. And the way that we work is we really want to look for countries that we can be the most impactful in. And sometimes we'll start somewhere and actually realize that there's too many obstacles or for whatever other reason, we just feel like the operation is not going to work. And, and so we will reallocate our funds to areas where we know we can get better impact. So we call it allocating by impact. We want to make sure that every dollar is spent uh, in the place where we can affect the most lives. So in those countries stretch uh, across Africa, so Southern East and West Africa, Southern Asia in particular uh, is well covered in terms of India, Bangladesh, and Nepal. Southeast Asia, we've got uh, Indonesia and Cambodia, and then we've actually recently started in Mexico, Central America, and we've got a, a fledgling pilot that should be going in the next few months in Alaska in, in the U.S. Um, so there's, we, we're really feeling like we're in a position to explode across the world, to be honest. We've developed a system that's scalable, and I think it's, um, that's one of the things I'm most excited about. And one of the things that I think is really cool about you guys, Ryan, is instead of saying, hey, we've got this proprietary methodology and strategy that we just want to keep for ourselves, for our organization to grow it, um, you guys are so generous about just saying, hey, here's the playbook. We've been doing this. This is successful. Any organization that wants to come in and fight for justice, fight for freedom and help in any way, shape or form, we don't see you as a threat. We see you as like part of you know the group, part of the mission, and we will gladly give you our playbook. I, I just think that that's really admirable. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, a couple of years ago, we kind of did a, a gut check uh, and we did some math and we said, well, listen, how, if we wanted to significantly reduce the prevalence of trafficking, how many intercepts would we need to get? And I think it was in the hundreds of thousands per year. And as much as we're expanding now and going as fast as we can, I think it's going to be quite some time before we get hundreds of thousands a year. And so we need to find what we call impact multiplying strategies. And we need to find maybe potentially partners who would be willing to do this so that it's not just on our shoulders to use this model, but if anyone else feels the need that they could take it and run with it, um, by all means, like we, we would be happy to empower them. And that's kind of what we do anyway, right? We go into a country, we find a local partner, and we empower them to make a difference. This would just potentially be on a slightly bigger scale. And so we know that if we're going to make a big difference, collaboration is always the answer. I mean, we play a part in the anti-trafficking scene. Um, there's 
big players in awareness, big players in rescue. They're amazing organizations who need to be uplifted and supported. Uh, but collabing across the whole spectrum, as well as with business and other partners who potentially might think this is a good idea, that's where we feel that we can really make a big impact and, and, and really hurt trafficking uh, and reduce the prevalence thereof. That's great, Ryan. What else do you want to make sure that our audience knows about Love Justice, about the work that you do before we wrap up here today? I think just that everyone plays a part in stopping human trafficking. I think you kind of spoke about it a few minutes ago, just saying, you know, people are in different areas and doing different things, whether you are in a corporate making lots of money, that's wonderful. You can still support the effort. If you've got talents and skills, you can give to NGOs fighting anti-trafficking. Please do that. We need great minds and we need great people on the front lines and behind computers and doing development and software and just really covering all the bases. We need everyone and everyone gets to play a part. And I think when people realize that they don't have to be the person pulling someone out of a brothel, they don't have to be the person who's a monitor in a transit area, they can be doing and using their skills to help um, fight this thing. And if, and if we've got enough people, I, I promise you we'd be able to uh, make a big dent in it. Yeah, I think it comes down to human capital, having the right people on board, you know, the the ship moving in the right direction. But I think it's actual financial capital as well. That's another component of it. One of the things that was important for me with my book, you know, I wanted my book to be an education vessel that would teach people financial freedom. I wanted the dollars created from the book to go to providing actual human life freedom, buying people's freedoms back, their God-given freedom and rights. And so for me, I feel very inspired seeing what you and so many others on the team are doing. And you know, I just think about how culturally, I think there's this big push to be a big time entrepreneur or be a big time corporate executive, move up the ladder as quickly as you can, where there's this backdrop of it being about the financial gain, the finance, you know, moving up, having more money, having more disposable income, having toys and material possessions. And, you know, all of our marketing and our ads are based around that, right? Conditioning this idea of wanting more and that buying things is going to bring happiness. And so I just love the message that you're giving and what your organization does in that there are other ways. And if you are truly living your purpose here on earth, you will wake up feeling great. I mean, most people, they don't like what they do. They certainly don't like the hours that they do it. But if they found the thing that they love doing, and this is a small percentage of the people that that ever really do this, then amazing things happen. They're living their dream. And so part of my goal and what I do, Ryan, is I want people to buy their freedom back, their, their time back to create freedom so they can spend their time in the way that serves them the best way that serves their family, that utilizes their unique gifts and talents the best. For most people, I've found that they have to get rid of their biggest obstacle, which is paying the bills, like the financial aspect of living and surviving and, and being able to just do life. And once you remove that, then people can tune in to where their their God-given gifts are 
and they can use that to serve. But you don't have to do it that way. You can figure that out while being in corporate America. You can figure it out while taking a sabbatical or on a vacation or taking time to yourself, but it's probably not just going to come at you. It's probably going to be intentional time that you're kind of plugging in and checking in with yourself. But I love teaching people my path, but my path's not the only way. And I think if people would just carve out the time to really figure out what their heart's desires are, I can just see a lot of amazing things happening in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, I can imagine. A word, I mean, for, for your listeners in particular, I just really can imagine them having the space and time to think about how they can leverage their capacity, uh, their skills and abilities, and their experience to really help other organizations. We'd be happy at Love Justice to take some of those. But, uh, you know, as you say, everyone's got their own passion, and it may not be anti-trafficking, it may be something else. But if they've got that freedom, what a beautiful thing. Yeah, no doubt. And and then the other part about it is maybe for you, it doesn't fill you up to do that type of work, but to know that some of your, your hard-earned money can go towards it. You know, I don't know that I'm equipped the way that you're equipped, Brian. I love that you have these gifts and this passion where you can be on the ground running things. I feel like my gifts are totally in a different direction with, you know, people and kind of coaching and training them up. But I also realize that there are a lot of things, you know, you can spend your time, but you can also spend your treasures, your capital to help in the organizations and charities and nonprofits that matter the most to you. And I I just hope that whether people do it here with Love Justice International or in another organization that they're, you know, totally, you know, all about that they just do it. They do it ideally both with time and with finances. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the engine which keeps us going. And of course, the more funds we have, the better human capital we can employ and the further we can go. So yeah, thank you. I agree. (laughs) So Ryan, where can we learn more about Love Justice International? Well, you can go to our website, which is uh, lovejustice.ngo, and go and have a look at all the different stats there. Uh, There's also articles on uh, the impact that we have, how we even measure impact, um, why we measure impact so closely, how we measure impact on the dollar and and dollar per intercept, et cetera. So you can really dig deep into all those different aspects if you want to. Alternatively, there's just great stories of the people that we've been able to help. Um, So jump on the website there. Uh, and then if anyone else uh, wants to to make contact, I'm also freely available and uh, I'm happy to give up my email when, if you if you would like that uh, and help, help get people plugged in. Yeah. What's the best way to contact you, Ryan? My email address is ryan at lovejustice.ngo, uh, R-Y-A-N. So um, get a hold of me if you, uh, you want to get in, in touch and get involved. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, share your passions, and really give your gifts to an organization that's doing great things in the world. I think that's incredible. And I just want to wrap up today the way I always wrap up, which is this. I I, I love challenging our listeners and those watching to take one step. Take a step today. It might be small. Just take a step. Move in the direction of financial freedom. Move in the direction of a life by design, not by default. Carve out the time and the space to figure out what it is that you want in your life on your terms in the way that you can use your gifts to serve the world in the best capacity. Thanks, and we'll catch you next week. 
Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who would benefit from this episode, would you mind sharing it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all resources mentioned, visit www.lifestyleinvestor.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor. This podcast is being made available exclusively to financially sophisticated, high net worth individuals capable of evaluating the merits and risks of investments. The material presented in this podcast is not intended to be investment advice or to recommend the purchase or sale of any security, nor is it intended to be legal, accounting, or tax advice. You should consult with your legal, tax, or financial advisor in connection with any material discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative nor a guarantee of future results. Certain materials discussed on this podcast may have been prepared by third parties, which have been obtained from sources that we believe to be accurate and current. However, we make no representation or warranty as to the accuracy, completeness, or currency of such materials.